0: conclude today, um, Holy Spirit in me, because I've, uh, I've seen us sometimes weaken in the rough times of life, and I wanted to teach us how you stay strong in it. It doesn't mean how you feel strong, but how you stay strong. Those are two different things. A person can feel weak but be strong. A person can cry and weep at the loss of a loved one but they can be strong through it. A person can have a difficult job experience but still go in and do a good job every day. So there's a difference between feeling strong and being strong. And so I wanted to talk to us about being strong because there's no way we're not going to feel weak. It's impossible. We're human beings. We're going to feel weak at times. We're going to feel weak in marriage. We're going to feel weak dealing with the pains that life can bring. Those things just happen. So the whole process of this series on the Holy Spirit on, in me is to talk about the power within so that no matter what's going outside, it doesn't affect the power. And as a matter of fact, it makes that power stronger. That's why the Bible is saying that I no longer live in the flesh, Paul would say, I now live in the Spirit. So I'm drunk with the Spirit. So no matter what you do to me, I get better because I learn how to rely on the Spirit more than the flesh so Paul would say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me one of the teachers that process in the process of doing that I realize that it's a long process but we got (laughs) but we conclude today by teaching you how to walk when you're weak now hopefully all of this stuff made sense over the last several weeks but now, how do you functionally do this? How do you functionally do this? Because I don't know if you're like me. There are days in my life when I got to kick this in because I functionally have to have a process by which I can live strong each day. I can hear the verses. I can hear the Bible saying, "He who was in you is greater than He who was in the world." I, I can hear all of that stuff. But what is the functional process to make this work? And that's what I want to walk around, work through today so that uh, we stay strong when we're weak. And there's nothing wrong with saying you're weak. I tell people that. It's, it's good to be honest with your feelings. I raised my kids about that. Oh, no, man, you, you, you're tripping today. Okay, that's human. Every day, some people trip sometimes. Don't worry about that. It's not how you're tripping today. It's how you're getting through it. Or you're going to be tripping every day. <laughs> and that's become your character rather than your experience. All right? So let's turn to Ephesians chapter, chapter 6 and we're going to walk our way through how do we do this day by day? All right? Because I want us as a church to be strong. We, the Bible says in the last days it will get bad. So I can't stop the bad. You can't stop the bad. You could be a billionaire. You can't stop the bad. Money don't stop the bad. You Can't stop it. Some people, money corrupts them in the bad, okay? Because they start using it to fix everything. But you can't, all right? In Ephesians chapter 6, I want us to just read a few verses in each of these. We're going to jump around a little bit today. Um, in chapter 6, verse 10, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil so he says to stand right in chapter 4 of Ephesians he says verse 1 chapter 4 verse 1 he says therefore I the prisoner of the Lord implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called talk about walk we're gonna down the world in this message he's gonna tell us to press forward Then later on he's going to tell her, the writer of Hebrews is going to say, run the race that is set before you. So on one hand you stand, another hand you walk, another hand you press, and another hand you run. How do you do this? Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for life. There's a lot of people that can't say that today. But you've given us life. You made a choice. For us to be here today we've traveled on highways we've eat food from grocery stores we don't know where they came from what the process was to get it there safely and healthy we've made choices during this week some people have flown on planes so God you have in spite of the decisions we've made every day of this week you got us here You gave us a free will to do what we want, but you still got us here. So, God, today you want us to be available to this message, so make sure I do what you want me to do. Make sure it's clear, and make sure it impacts your people's hearts so that, Lord, the reason for this purpose today is achieved, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. as I study this week and look through all the different emails and and just think about my own sister's struggle with cancer and all the different things in my family when we have our family meetings listening to the list and our family as our family gets older there's a lot of things happening day by day I turn on the news and looking at all that is happening in Washington and all the different things that are taking place and all the Uh, different arguments and fights. And uh, day by day, our country struggles. So when we look at our country, we look around the world and you see there are conflicts all around the world. From one place to the next, there's a conflict. From one place to the next, there's an issue. And then when you go past those conflicts day by day, you start to see rain and mudslides and and you see fires, and you see all kinds of issues attached to weather, where the snow is blistering in the north. And you see all these things that the Bible is saying will happen in the last days. He says, this is the process of the last days. He said, this is just a birth pain. So could you imagine the tribulation period? So this is not going away. When we, we try to come to God, and what we want God to do is to fix everything, when he's saying he's not, it's a struggle because we we want God to fix it. We want God to solve this, wish this, do this, fix that. So I can live happy every day. And he's saying, no, I'm not. My focus is not to make you happy every day because your circumstances are great every day. My focus is to give you joy. My focus is to give you strength. My focus is on the inside of you, not fixing everything around you. So that everything around you is so wonderful and so sweet, you love me. The people that love me were in lion's dens. The people that love me waited 25 years for one baby. The people that love me are the people who went through storms, following, dealing with lions and dealing with bears and dealing with Goliaths. These are the people that you today talk about how great they are. It's not people who had wonderful circumstances. Paul was beaten five times, 39 lashes, was locked in jail three times, shipwrecked, shipwrecked, locked in five times, shipwrecked three times. Paul went through one storm after the next. But this is the person that said be anxious for nothing so something happened inside of that person in their day-to-day walk with God obedience to God a willingness to do what God says no matter what what Paul would do to live a life of celibacy for for all those years as a grown man and to deal with all those issues every second of every day and can come out saying to us no matter what rejoice and again I say rejoice Have these people lost their minds? Are they living in a heaven? that they are just writing us what their struggle looks like? What is wrong with these people that caused them day by day to be productive and no matter what you give them, they got better? No matter what you throw them, they just kept getting better and better and better and better. No matter what you throw them, no matter what you do to them, they just get better. What makes them stronger day by day? Well, one of the first things they accepted in their life it's Satan hates their guts. They accepted that. Paul would say that I know your schemes. I know all of them by now. In other words, when he go to 2 Corinthians, he said, don't go there right now. 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 12, he says, by the time I get to Corinth, I know your schemes. I know what you're up to. I know what you're going to do. I know what's going to happen. And, and, and you can't look at that and say, man, why would God let us have this struggle? Because Jesus Christ would say, I'm giving you the keys to the gates of Haiti. Not not, not, not the gate, the gates of Haiti. They're coming through many gates. And I'm giving you the keys to all of them. I'm going to put those keys mostly in the hands of leaders. Then I'm going to make you come into a church where those leaders have the keys to protect you. The church, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, is a church will be the body of Christ. It is your protection. You can't be protected outside of church. I don't care what people say today. Everybody's saying, look at TV and do all this stuff. You can't be protected outside the body. The Bible said it's impossible, right? In Ephesians 3.10. So he's saying, he said, we know the schemes. There's gates. And they've accepted that Satan will come at them. He's going to come at them. Job is an illustration. You could be living righteous. He's still coming at you. Sometimes the more you seek to live right is the more he comes at you to break you down and to keep you discouraged and frustrated because he has you. He has even Christians turning against you by saying, they can't be walking with Christ. Look at them. Their life is always a mess. He even have Christians turn again like, like it was with Job's friends would say, God can't be happy with you. Look at your life. Paul, well, people would say that about Paul and try to get Timothy to leave Paul. Paul couldn't be a man of God. He couldn't be an apostle. He's always in jail. So even Christians, he said, will turn on one another when he tries people and come against people. They understood that Satan will come, and that's why he says the first strategy to living productive every day is to stand. You you, you can't walk first. You can't run first. You got to first learn how to stand because while you're running, you're standing in the way he talks about stand, well while you're walking you're standing because the way he describes stand, well while while you pressing is the way you stand in other words you you have to have a strong position before you can move forward you you know I I was watching people build a building you know and it's funny uh, we're we're helping TL Africa build a school a university in Rwanda and excited when I see the pictures but it's so much work That goes into the foundation. Even when this building was being built, they they kept raining and raining and raining. And they kept saying to me in meetings, man, why is it raining? Oh, God must, Satan knows that God got a purpose behind this building because he is the prince of the air. You got to know his strategies or you get get discouraged. See, so they said, well, what are we going to do? I said, we're going to pray and wait because you got to learn to stand. You know, I don't stress over it. Well, Pastor, you know, I can't keep this crew waiting around so long. Well, they can't work anywhere else because it's raining all over Houston. So why are you stressing, man? By well, the grace of God, it's raining all over Houston. Well, we're going to pump water. Pump the water. Do what you got to do. Just don't give me the bill <laughs> in the name of Jesus. You know, but just pump the water. Do what you got to do. Do because the foundation is where the building stands. So in the Bible, what we learn is standing is the foundation to walking. A child can't walk unless they learn to stand if if you watch a little kid and they're trying to walk they got to first learn how to stand before they walk so that's why he talks about standing here so let's see how do you stand it's one thing to say stand, but how do you stand that's the issue he's gonna tell us here in Ephesians chapter 6 let's go there Ephesians chapter 6 he tells us how to stand a matter of fact in the book of Ephesians, he tells us how to stand. but We don't have the time for that. But literally, te- by the time he gets to chapter 6, he has worked this all out. So let's just take a quick synopsis look at how do you stand by going on a foxtrot through the book of Ephesians real quick. Because he comes in verse, chapter 6, verse 10, and he says, Finally, what I'm about to say to you right now is, is, a, is a summary of what you're going to need for the future. So he says, right here. And by the way, this outline is in your bulletin. So, so if you want to follow us on the screen, the bulletin, or you go on the internet, you can download a more comprehensive outline. He says, finally, he says, be strong. Be strong. The word be means there is a way to where you could always be strong and never stop being strong. Remember Jesus, God would say, I be that I be. What does that mean? I'm always going to be what I'm going to be because there's nothing going to change what I'm going to be. So that's what he's saying here. He says, be. In other words, you already are something that you need to be. And if you become what you need to be because you be this. He has a little ebonics in him. He's, he, he had a little black up in him. He says, be. Since you be what you're supposed to be, because you are what you, you're supposed to be, already set up to you who you need to be, then you will be strong. So what is he talking about? Let's just take a backtrack. Look at chapter 1 of Ephesians. This is walk. He's actually teaching us this. Before he ever gets to it, he's teaching us how this stuff works. Here's the first thing he says in chapter 1, verse 3. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. In other words, whatever God is going to give to us, it's already there. I'm not trying to get it. I'm trying to work it out. That's why he says work out your salvation in fear and what trembling in other words fear means i live with wisdom trembling means i live with a constant need of god so i'm constantly praying and trusting god so what is he saying i don't have to pray for god to give me what i need i need to learn how to work out what i have i already have all spiritual blessings then he's going to tell me where i live We, we live on earth in our minds we live on this street or that street no 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 he's saying no 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 in a Christian's mind you have to understand that you don't live like that you live in heavenly places so just follow me in a m- number of times he's gonna say I live in heavenly places." in other words don't ever think that you're just living on earth don't ever think you just walk in the streets always think that the fear in which God is operating is heavenly places now, let me break it down this way heavenly places mean that the Holy Spirit lives in me because I got all spiritual blessings. Heavenly places literally means that I am in Christ. When Christ died for me, chapter 2 of Ephesians, I am now in him. So anytime, that's why Paul would say, everything I do, I do in his name because I'm in him. It's kind of like a person who's in a family. Every time, they, I used to tell my kids all the time, listen, one day, no matter what you do out there, the cops are coming here because you carry cannings and you're in our family so you affect everybody in our family cousins uncles aunts everybody because you're in this family no matter what you do you are in this family i remember when they were dating i would say to them that young lady ain't your wife she can't tell you what to do because you're still in this family okay so you're still single away until you get married when you are now married you are in that family but you're still in our family because you always will be that's the only time you could leave this family and cleave is when you marry. So don't tell me what she's telling you because you're still in this family and you can't leave and cleave until she says yes. Okay? Because you're in it. This is where you are. The Bible is saying no matter where you go, you are in Christ. If Satan can come to you. He has to go to heaven because you're in Christ. That's why he has to consult Christ. So when I'm living, if I choose not to live in Christ, Satan could come to me anytime. He says it in chapter 4, Ephesians. If I let anger hang around and I live in the flesh and do what I want to do, Satan will get a foothold. So he doesn't have to go to heaven. He just comes to me because I choose to act like I don't know Jesus and live in me. So when I choose not to act like I live in Jesus, the Bible says Satan can do whatever he wants to do. That's why he's saying the protection that we have when we stand, we have to stay in Christ. So whatever I do in word or in dude, I do it all to your glory because I got to stay in you. In order to, When Satan comes and does, does his attack on me, I got to keep thinking I can't fight him off by myself. So I got to live in Christ. Can't, I can't even see him. Well, sometimes you can't see Satan. They act crazy on jobs and stuff. But anyway, that's not what I'm talking about. (laughs) You you kind of could see him when you turn the TV on sometimes. But at the end of the day, you can't see him. So it's spiritual force against spiritual force. So therefore, you need a spiritual force, Christ, against a spiritual force, Satan, in order to be in him. Here's the next thing he says to us. Glad you asked. Look at chapter 4. He says, When you stand, the first thing you got to stand, remember, I don't lack nothing when I stand. I don't lack nothing. Thank you, Jesus. I love that. I'm never thinking I ain't got the equipment to stand. I just got to figure out how to work it out. It's already there. Then I got to make sure I stay in Christ. So even though emotions may go this way, emotions may go that way, my feelings may go this way, this may happen, that may happen, I got to be sure to stay in Christ. In other words, in my head, I say I got to stay at the house. That's what I say to myself. I got to stay at the house. What do I mean by that? What does that I mean by that? Because at the house, my parents had food at the house. I learned this when I went out to college. And you know, I went out to college. Yeah, I'm going to go up to a college away from the house. When I got out there, going, whoa, I got to buy food. I got to pay for laundry. What? All this coming in when I want to come in and leave when I want to leave, that got a price to it. So every weekend, guess where I went? Home. I was the first kid to get to go to college. My parents were so excited. When I went home, my my mom, she would just take all my clothes and she would wash them, fold them. She was so happy, put them back together for me. She was so proud of her son. So guess where I went? I'm serious. I drove home one time between quarter of a tank and empty everybody on the highway was mad at me. I was going so slow trying to get home. Cause Guess what? I knew the bank was at home. And I know that once I tell my parents that I ain't got no gas money. They're so proud of their kid. Oh son you gotta get back to school. Guess what I get? Money for what? Gas. They never gave me their gas card but they gave me money. I always said, you can give me the gas card. No. But here's some cash to go back to school. So I know if I needed gas at school, I could go home and get a full tank of gas and drive back real slow so I have it for another week or month. That's how I managed my gas bill when I was in college. Just, just a hint to those who are in college, that's how I worked the bank when I was in college. I went home, my mom, I called my mom, hey mom, I'm coming home. Oh, wonderful. She would cook. She would cook. Oh man, she would cook, I would get to eat, I didn't have to wash no dishes because she was so proud of me. That was the best place to go was home. The Bible is saying no matter what you're dealing with, no matter where you go, remember, live like you are at home. Cause that's where the money is paid. That's where I take care of you. That's where I watch over you. That's where Christ sits at the right hand of the Father fighting for you. I, de- I decide what Satan can do to you and not do to you. I can tell him what you can bear and what you can bear. I'm the one that set it up if you just remember as you live your life to stay at home. Here's the next thing he says. Here's, a, here's the home that is a physical home that helps you to withstand Satan. In chapter 4, he says this, and I'm, I'm reading it because I don't want you to think there's any motive behind this. In chapter 4, he says in verse 12, he says, For the equipping of the saints, the pastor's job is a pastor teacher, not a pastor preacher. My job isn't to entertain you. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. I ain't no entertainer. I ain't got it. He says, I'm a pastor what? Teacher. Because Jesus is the way, the truth And the life. Can't get you to experience life if all I do is make you happy. We got to teach you the course, got to teach you how to use the GPS system so that you can go to the second, then when you go to the second point, you got to learn how to walk. You can't learn how to walk without a GPS. So that's why there's a pastor teacher, not a pastor preacher. So when I go out to speak, I just preach. I don't really think much about it. I just preach. When I'm here, I'm a pastor teacher. Why? Because this equips you. He says right here in verse 12. It's equipping. Why is what equipping? Oh yes, putting furniture in the house, men named Broken One, nothing what he's talking about. He's also talking about a ship that's trying to make it across the seas. And that ship is trying to make it across the seas. There are storms. There are pirates. There's all these different things on the sea. So the ship has to equip itself to make it all the way across the seas. So since there are storms in your life, pain in your life, People coming trying to take things from you. The pastor must equip you so you can make your journey and finish the race. That's what he's saying here. But he says the only place that could do that for the work of service, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God, to the mature man, to the measure and the stature which belongs to what? The fullness of what? The only place that you and I can come to be like Christ is from the church. The only place. I, I don't care how much Bible knowledge you have. I don't care how much Bible student you are. I don't care what. You've got to serve. That's why we have service. why I push it so hard. You have to serve, make this church strong. Because the gift of encouragement is here. The gift of strength is here. The gift of wisdom is here. The gift of knowledge is here. All these different gifts to build you up. So that when you get out on a journey and start walking and pressing and running, the Bible is literally saying the only place that can make you experience the fullness of Christ, which causes us to be able to have what is totally inside of us, to withstand all the forces outside, is the church. You cannot neglect it. You shoot yourself in the foot. It also protects us from Satan. Look at Ephesians chapter 10. You cannot neglect the house, the physical house. You can't neglect the spiritual house and you can't neglect the spirit, the physical house. You cannot, living word, listen to me. You cannot make this place inefficient. You shoot yourself in the foot and you can't stand against Satan. It's impossible to stand against him when this is weak. If my parents were broke, if they were living homeless, the physical house that they have is no strength to me. So if I tear down my parents' house, I don't finish school. I have to make this, that house strong. So when they say, take out the trash, yes. My parents explained that to me. Make this strong, you strong. Don't fight us, build us up. I learned that as a kid. Wash the dishes, do this, yes sir. Because I'm making this family better. And when I went off to college, It worked. Look at Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10. He says, so that you make make, make, sure that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the who? The church. Did he say a church? The church. To the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Go to chapter 6, to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places, it's the church that makes that known. What makes it known to Satan that he can't just come and mess with you is the church. It's the only place that makes it known. He said, well, no, 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 I, I put on the armor. He says, no, that's when you, that's when you, because you are a B, you become strong. He says, be strong. You have to be something to be strong in order to be something to be strong, he's saying this is how you get to the be before you're strong. So you can't put on armor until you are be strong. So what he's saying, understand, he's saying, the way to do this is to build up the church. When the church is strong, the Bible says Satan has to come through this physical being to get to you physically. Watch me, stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me. People have made church all kind of things today. I refuse to let that happen here. Simply because it's your security. You corrupt the church, the Bible says. You got nothing. He literally says, if judgment does not begin in the household of faith, in 1 Peter chapter 4, what will be the outcome of the world? There is no hope for the world if this is messed up. If the finances of a church is messed up, he says, I'll mess up the whole world. Haggai chapter one. This is the place. This is why he says, he said, rulers and authorities, right? Look at Ephesians chapter six, verse 12. For for we do not struggle against flesh and blood. It's not your husband or your wife or your kids or all this. But against rulers and against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness. Guess where they are? Same place you are. In heavenly places. So he says the thing that announces to God that this person you can't touch is the church. Because that principalities and powers, they come up to heaven like in the case of Job and talk to God. They know Satan was a cherub. He knows the Bible. That's why he quotes it back to Christ. When, during the temptation of Christ he knows the angels he was over all of them he knows everything that a person outside of God would know so you can't trick Satan you could take all of the Bible scholars of the world and put them together and they can't outwit Satan they can't that's why he says you need to be in a place where there's godly wisdom and godly knowledge to withstand him folks I read it so it's not a Paul Canning's thing not a living word thing you have to make this strong to stand. Now, I finally got this, actually, how you get strong. He says in chapter 6, he says, be strong in the Lord, in the fear of what I've been saying. I actually got this when I went to watch my son play college football. I, I didn't get this. I was studying and thinking, ah, oh, man, I didn't get it. Well, what is he talking about? Be strong. Man, there's times I'm weak, man. are you going to be strong. And it hit me. When he, I used to say, no, 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 before you start playing the game, I'm going to try to get there early, And we're going to pray before you start your game. So we're racing there, but I'm late. Paul Canning style. Late. So I I run in there, and he says, Dad, 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 He he gets on his phone. Dad, 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 I'm going to figure out a way. I'm going to figure out a way. Just come by the locker room. So I go over the locker room. Poor wife, she's just jogging behind me. My wife is not tall. I mean, she's just sweating bullets. You know, we could pray in the car. No, no, no. I got to touch my boy. I got to touch my boy. So we, we, he, he comes out the locker room and he says, dad, dad, pray. And when you finish, help me buckle this up. So when I go back in, I'm buckled up. Oh, that's it. It's funny how you see things. Sometimes God give your family so you know what to do. See, watch this carefully. He comes out there and he looks like I used to look. Muscles. <laughs> Six pack. I mean, he was working out. He was 165 pounds in high school. He's now 195 pounds. They're feeding him and and taking him to weights early in the morning, working out. They got all these trainers and everything else and they got people working him out. And I mean, his muscles are blowing up and everything else. I used to tell him, give me back my body. Okay, thank you for helping me. Give me back my body. (laughs) He got all these muscles on and all this other stuff. And then then he's putting his shoulder pads on. I go, yes. I have to be strong to wear the armor. Sorry, that's, that's, that, that that took a while for me to get that until I saw the picture. You, you don't take the armor and put it on me. If the coach sees me without my shirt, he'll give it to somebody else. he just say, no, nope, no, nope, let, let's pray for you. I need this kid over here. Because he's looking for muscles and size to be able to withstand the force of the other team. So he doesn't, that's why he... They got a special meal for the football players. He got a special uh, uh, um, dorm for the football players so they could build unity. That's why he put them out and play together, building unity and strength and building a family of football players. And then he puts them in the gym and work them out and then he feed them food. And then when he gets them all fat, he says, take on the enemy. But you know to take on the enemy? Put them on pads. I said, oh God, that's it. Be a pastor teacher. Feed the people food. Make them a family, strong. When they're now lifting weights in the midst of trials, stand by them with the gift of encouragement. Keep praying for them. Standing by them, making sure that they stay through the trials because that's how they pump the weights. And then when they pump the weights, now you could tell them, put on the armor. But until then, it's hard. Put on righteousness. Man, I don't know. These people crazy. I don't know if I could be right every day. It's hard because I'm not B, so I can't strong. That's why he says that belt of truth, helmet of salvation, nice words, but you can't wear that unless you can bear that. So that's why he's saying the first thing you have to learn is to be strong so you could put on this armor. And when you put on this armor, What could Satan do to you? (laughs) It's funny, it's funny. Let me share something personal with you. A lot of times when I see Satan getting to me, I first say to me, what piece of armor did I take off? (laughs) It it, it may sound spiritual and all that, but honestly, when I see him getting to me where, you know, I'm frustrated at this and that, I'm going, okay, I took something off. What is it? I know I didn't turn around and run, because when I turn around and run, in Hebrews he says, you run to destruction, because there's nothing in the back. So I can't run. So I always tell y'all, I know you get sick of me. Pastor Ken, I don't know if I can stay through this. No, you have to stay. I don't want to stay. I want out. No, you got to stay. Because you wanna, if you turn around, you are turning around. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 37 tells you to destruction. There's nothing in the back. Nothing. The only way is to stand and press forward. That's it. God doesn't see how we could lose. So that's why he always says, press. How are you going to lose? You got me inside of you. So some people say, okay, you just don't understand. No, I, I know. I just came here in, a, in my car from heaven. I, I don't live. Some people get sick of that. Yep, I know. I just came here from heaven. I don't know anything. I just, i was with Jesus all day singing glory, hallelujah. And then I came and preached on Sunday. How you mean I don't know? I've been married 39 years, what you talking about? I've raised kids, what you talking about? I got my grandkids wearing me out. My grandson said to me the other day, Papa, come on, let's play soccer. Really? You, know, you gotta think about that at my age. First you used to go, yeah, let's go. Now you go, mm, all right, let's go. You gotta get your mind ready for that. Your, foot say, your mind says, you got the ball. Your foot says, no, we ain't getting there that fast. Has to, my old days have passed away. Behold, all things are new. Man, that teaches me out of day running around with him, man. He was beating past me and I'm saying, like, man, nobody ever did that when I was in college. You're not in college, brother. That's why he says the second thing. Watch this carefully. I want you to go to chapter four. Watch chapter four of Ephesians. He says, therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, imploring you. I'm telling you, what's the contrast? You don't have time for that. He says, the prisoner of the Lord. I'm in prison when I write this to you. <laughs> so you can't say, I am having a wonderful time sitting on the beach with a virgin, a virgin, virgin pina colada with a palm leaf in it on a nice lawn chair. Can't say that. I'm in prison. You ever studied their prisons? It ain't pleasant. It's horrible. You eat the leftovers from the shoulders. That's what you eat every day whenever they choose to feed you because you're nothing as a prisoner. I, a prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called. Walk worthy of the calling. Worthy. (laughs) Walk worthy of the calling. What is he talking about? I have to decide when I got all this inside of me, I got to go out and play the game. In other words, he's not dressing everybody up in this uniform and pads and helmet to be in the locker room or to run around the sidelines. You have to take the hit. You have to go out and take the hit. Sometimes you hit and sometimes they hit you. I never forget, I'm not going to say which kid it was. I don't care which kid it was. But he he wanted to play football real bad, real bad. I want to play football, dad. I want to play football, dad. Now I got my wife on my back. He's too small. He don't need to even play football. He could play soccer. He don't need for football. Why do I have to play football? Is that a Bible verse? <laughs> I'm getting all this coming at me. I said he wants to play. So what I'm going to do? I'm going to go out and get. I take. I saved up some money. I'm going to buy him the best helmet, the best pads, and everything else. And the very first thing that the coach told him to do was to get the ball and run it and then they had to figure a way, we call it the bullpen, to not get tackled. And guess what happened on the first thing? Bam! This little kid, you could tell he's been playing. He grabbed him, bah! My son got up, it really punked me out for a minute. He ran straight to me. <laughs> you know, you out there with your son and you're saying, my son playing football, you know, and the All the parents are standing there, you know, and and they're talking about their kids and all this other stuff, but your son just got walloped and he runs to you crying. It just really messes you up as a father. It's like, okay, put yourself aside, grab your kid. I'm hugging him. Daddy, he hit me. (laughs) And I'm going, yeah, son, that's why you're wearing pads. But daddy, why, why he hit me so hard? Why he can't just, he just went ahead and hit me, because you have the ball. So if I don't have the ball, he doesn't hit me? No. He changed from offense to defense that moment. <laughs> All of a sudden he came back saying, Dad, I'm going to play defense. I knew exactly why. I mean, <laughs> and from then on, he would hit people hard. Like, he just said, "Payback." I mean, they said, son, you have to hit him that hard. Oh, no, daddy, he hit me hard. I can hit him hard. Whole different mindset. And It's funny how my wife... Went from, I can't believe you did this too. I said, he's hitting somebody else's kid. How you gonna be cheering? He's hitting somebody else's kid and you happy. That is somebody else's kid, you know. It was funny, we had these interesting things in the stand. That's why we were cracking up laughing the whole time. Because he learned I'm carrying the ball. I get hit. The minute I say I'm in Christ, The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, a seal is placed on me, the Holy Spirit. Satan don't look at me and see an empty place where there's no spirit inside of me. When he looks at me, he's a spiritual being. He sees spirit. He sees the Holy Spirit in me, a seal. So guess what I'm carrying? The ball. That's why he's saying, put on the armor. But when you put on the armor, you got to get on the field. And you're going to take some hits. So you have to decide to walk. Wait a minute, walk? He says you have to make this a lifestyle. Uh, listen, Listen to me carefully. There is a word worthy in there. What's the word worthy mean? The word worthy means God knows who you are and you need to learn what that means because I know how that you are. You're my child. You, you, I, you, I live inside of you. You live in heavenly places. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You, 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 when you walk around, you are walking around in the name of Jesus. All this stuff, he says, I know who you are. I'm standing on the sidelines, and I'm thinking, oh man, yeah, here's my boy. Yes, man. You know, I, got, I got all these beautiful stuff on him, man. He got gloves on, all this stuff. He's looking tight. That's my son. But now it's time to be a football player but he didn't want to get hit. But in my mind, I'm going, no, nah, he can handle it. I- if I didn't think he could handle it, I wouldn't switch him from soccer to football. He can handle it. I've watched him around the house. You have to stop him from doing things that are crazy. He jumps off the bed going, I'm Superman! No, 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 no. hold up. You're not Superman. You, you're going to die. He, he's jumping off the top bunk saying he's Superman. So I had to start watching the cartoons he was looking at because he looked at those cartoons. He is a ninja turtle. I'm going, whoa! These cartoons are making my son into somebody that's gonna kill himself. So I know that this young man did not have any problems with fear. He'll jump in the water. I can swim, no. He gotta learn first. This is the young man I patted up. I know he's not afraid of nothing. Even in high school, when he's playing in high school, he's playing uh, uh, junior varsity football. They made him a fullback. I went to the coach, I said, did you see his size any day? He goes, your son will run through that hole and block a 200 pound linebacker and don't even fear it. He's the only person, anybody else is trying to, he's just pow, you will hit him. I saw that in him, no fear. So I put on the pants because I saw something in him. So when he went out there and now he's playing football and he's doing well in football, why? He lived worthy, but he had to practice. He had to get out there and take the hits. He had to get out there and keep playing and keep playing and keep playing. And when he cries, I may hug him and stuff, but guess what I did? Send him back out. I I, I had to put myself down and say, man, bump you. You're you're the parent. You're not even getting hit today. (laughs) Send him back out there. And he come back. But that man, you know, my hands are bruised. I kiss it. Bandage it. Send him back out there. His mother would be fussing at me. Oh, you can't look at him. Look, he's coming back bruised. Okay, he's going to be okay. It heals. (laughs) He's going to be all right, send him back out there. When he's playing in high school, oh wow, he is this, he is that. Because you put him in the game and you made him a football player, he played. Christ is saying to us the same thing. I don't mind you running to me to cry. I'm your comforter. I'm your peace. I'm the person who will be here to comfort you, to give you peace. I got the gift of encouragement in the church. I got the gift of mercy in the church. I got all this, but I'm going to put you right back out the door after Sunday morning, and I'm going to tell you to walk, because I know who you are. I know I live inside of you. I know that you are able to do all things through me. I know that you got a word of God that never returns void. I know who you are, so walk like you somebody. That's what he means by walk worthy. Walk up to the the ability of who you are. No walk up to what you think you are. Walk up to where he says you are and that's when you walk worthy. He says that's how you could stay in the game and keep practicing. Because every time my son came to me, son you could do it. Daddy it hurts. It's okay. You could do it son. Don't worry about it. You could do it. Go out there and do his thing. Go, Go on defense now. You get to hit somebody back. Really? Go. Bam. See there you go son. You could do it. So he keeps putting the out there because he says what it has to become walking in the Bible means it has to become my lifestyle that way I end up living worthy to what I this is what I love about it I start to learn who I am when I practice what he says I am but until I practice if I don't practice who he says I am I really don't know who I am I really don't I actually, got this growing up. You know, my mom would say to me, "You're smart. You're gonna do better." No, mom, I hate math. I tell my mom that I hate math. He says, "Why? Because they're always doing things like A plus B. <laughs> what is that? What is A plus B, mom?" She says, A plus B is A plus B, equals A plus B. They're trying to get you to a point where they could teach you formulas. So when you come to geometry and all these, trigonometry and all these things, you will know how to make all that work. So they have to teach you math that works for everything. What's trigonometry? Who wants to do trigonometry? I gave my mom a hard time about math. So when statistics came in college, when I got a C, I told my mom she was disappointed. You got to see and you're happy, Mom. I hate math, and that's the last class of math in college, and I am done. My mom says, "Okay." I looked at the syllabus, and I need you to take this class, Mom. <laughs> Based on my degree program, that's my last class in math. No, you need math. Take that class. You see, <laughs> I first had to learn to listen to do. That's why there's a pastor teacher at the end of this chapter. I gotta learn to listen to go out and do it because when I go out and do it, I'm a better student because she put me in the class and she made me do the class and she made me send my stuff home and she, made, she just stayed on my case and I was sick of it because I kept telling her how old I was. Mommy you realize I'm like 20 now. My mom never stopped calling me this, boy, show me your papers. Did you hear me? When she get this voice, you could be a hundred, but that voice does something to the side of you. Boy, you better bring me that paper. I'll be in my little car going home. Ain't no fax machine. I'm driving the paper home because of that voice. That's why on Sunday morning, God says, my sheep will know my voice because I want you to practice this stuff. I want you to go out and do what I say. Because until you do it, you don't even learn who you are. Let me speed up real quick. Then he says, when you're now walking, you got to press. Go to Philippians real quick. We're out of time. So I'm going to speed this last part up. Look at Philippians chapter, th- chapter 3. Press. You ever, you ever, ever <laughs> my son, something gets sick of me saying this. Dad, how you doing today? Pressing. So what do you mean you're pressing? Pressing has some key things to it, and I'll summarize. Pressing has some key things to it. you got to learn to forget when you press. You can't keep bringing up stuff. Oh, God, you know, yesterday was bad. No, you got to forget. <laughs> you know, man, Dad, I got tackled real hard. you got to forget. It's one of the things my son taught me about in, in playing college football. He, when, he, when they made him play a cornerback, he said, man, that guy beat, he says, oh, yeah, but I got him next play. You have to learn to forget. Oh, you don't go back and line up. If all you think about is, oh, that dude beat me, man. He better pull, move on me and left me in the dust. If all that you're thinking about, guess what gonna do the next time? Put you in the dust. That's why the Bible is saying, I have to forget. That's why Paul says, I counted all things lost. I was a Pharisee, a Pharisee, a Hebrew, Hebrews. So some people come to church and they are all these different things. I'm a manager. I drive here. He said, you got to forget. And Moses was all kind of things as a pharaoh. But in order to make him a leader, he had to make him forget everything and come to a stick. The Bible is saying in order to press forward, in order to be able, no matter what I'm going through in life, to press forward. He says your first step is learning to forget. You Can't keep remembering stuff to press forward. You, you, be in the, you get stuck in the sand. Don't get stuck. I've always said this to you guys, you ladies and gentlemen. I've always said this. If you're constantly in the present, you'll never make it to the future. And if you constantly ha- talking about the past, you will never even get to the present. You got to learn to forget the past to be in the present. And you got to learn to make best use of the present to make it into the future. But if all you keep talking about is the past, you don't even come to the present. You can't even enjoy what God is doing for you now. Yesterday. Thank God you're here today. Here's the next couple of things here. Just look, look, at, look at how you press. Look at verse 14. He said, this is how you press. I press towards the prize. What is he saying? Just said this to somebody this week. He said, don't forget the prize. Don't forget the prize. You, you, this is, uh, uh, you it's upward. It's upward. Folks, we live like earth is Forever. Earth is not forever. Earth is temporary, just in case you don't know. That's why there's so many funerals. You ever go live next to paradise on oh, Saturday? folks coming in and out and in and out. Why? This is temporary. You ever see somebody get excited about an airport? No. They're going through. Earth is an airport. We focus on the plane ride. He says there's a prize. There are four to five crowns in heaven. You can't forget that when you are walking. Everybody's playing for the Super Bowl. Everybody. That's why they get y'all going to the games and painting yourself and going crazy and having all these parties in, in the parking lot. The Super Bowl is coming. We got a chance. We got the best quarterback ever. we got to make it. Everybody gets fired up. Everybody's in the Texans games. Everybody got their horns going on. But you got to get on the field and win to get to the Super Bowl. And if all the players are doing is talking about the check, man, man, I got a contract for $30 million. I got a contract for $18 million. Guess what happens? You never make the Super Bowl, but you're well paid. And that's what the Bible is saying. Now that you're in the game to practice and to make it a lifestyle because you're committed to walk, you got to remember the prize. Because when you get out to walk, you get tackled. You get hit. People do things to you. So if you forget the prize, what's going to happen to you is when you start getting hit, you're going to become so earthly, you're no heavenly good. Man, look what happened to me yesterday. Look what's going on in my life today. Look what's wrong with me today. So in the earth, we lose the prize. Here's the crowns. There's a crown for evangelism, those who were faithful in evangelism. You would know who was a faithful pastor in heaven because they're either going to wear a crown or they're not. That's a crown for a good shepherd. There's a crown for trials, James chapter 1, he says, When I stay through trials and I keep Christ, I will crown you. There's a crown for those who died in the Lord. There's a crown. So if I'm living my life forgetting the prize, when I get to heaven, he says, You wouldn't even wear a white gown. There's nothing there. He said, Well, God, look at what I did. I was a good husband, good wife. I took care of my family. He says in Luke chapter 17, you did what you were supposed to do, and I blessed you. I gave you the contract of 30 million. So now what you got to say? I gave it to you. I gave you life. I gave you a house. I gave you kids. I gave you health. I gave you strength. So what else do I owe you? I owe you nothing. That's what he says. You got to stretch, press. The only way you could press is when the prize. Never leaves your mind. Every day. day, My wife's not going to get sick. Now, baby. Ain't nobody going to steal my prize. Ain't no circumstance going to take away my prize. When I get to heaven, I won't have that prize. That prize lasts forever. That prize nobody can take away. You don't have to be the best preacher, the best. You just got to be faithful of what you do. You don't have to be the best, the best. It's It's not a comparison thing. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he says, don't compare yourselves among yourselves. Just serve within your measure. So whatever measure I give you, you win the prize for being that measure. If it's five talents, two talents, it doesn't matter. Don't bury it, that's all I'm saying. Because when you get to heaven, there's a prize. Folks, don't let earth steal your prize. Earth is just temporary. Stick with the prize. You're walking around heaven, he said the prize gets so, so luxurious. In, in Revelation chapter 3, he says, I will, because you stayed through it all, I will let you share the throne of Jesus Christ. That's how high the prize is. Paul is saying, I'm pressing towards the prize. How would Paul know? He went to the third heavens. He saw it. So Paul could see this prize. Beat me. Sufferings don't compare. Lock me in jail. Who cares? Paul, we going to kill you. I'm anxious for nothing. You ain't stealing the prize. Don't let nobody or circumstance steal the prize. That's what keeps you pressing. Nobody going to steal my prize. I want my pride. I want to walk around heaven, my white gong on, crong on saying what's up? What's going on dog? Let you know, I ain't got, this is something I no longer have to work for, something I don't have to fight for, it's done and I'm at rest. I don't know why people are afraid of death. When my time come I want to rejoice all the way into heaven. I want my pride. Because everybody coming there or hell. So, what's the point? I love a friend of mine in, 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 in Chicago. Called him. I said, Man, they say, Yeah, stomach cancer, terminal. Done. Say, this is day to day, man. This is day to day. He says, You know what? I said, All right, man, I'd like to come and see. No, Candace, don't come way up here. Come for my funeral. But don't come up here now. I'm going to die. He said, But I got to teach my kids how to die. That's my next several months. I got about five or six months, I'ma bring my kids over here and I'ma teach them how to die with dignity, commitment to Christ, walk with God. I so honored that guy at this funeral because he kept saying, it's okay, I'm going to heaven. I ain't got to work no more. I ain't got to get up and do nothing anymore. It's okay. He said, he told me up front, there's a time to live and a time to die. He told me up front that that's the deal, my clock is going off. But I'm gonna be faithful to the end because nobody's gonna steal my prize, cannons. Nobody's gonna steal my prize. Here's the last thing, and I'm done. I gotta speed this up, unfortunately. Here's the last one. Look at, look at Hebrews. You gotta run. I'm just gonna summarize this. You gotta run. Run. How am I gonna run? I like running. You know why I like running? Because I know everybody's cheering me when I'm running. So everybody's cheering me when I'm running. Okay, remember this. You got to run. How many, you, how many of us are running? Some of us are just sitting. Like, God, I'm trying. You always know folks that are sitting. I'm trying to make it. They can't even get up. It's like, it's like you know, uh, you know I, I went and worked out too hard at the gym and I was sore. And my grandson said, come on, Papa, get up. I looked at him and I said, man, I'm actually standing right now. You just can't see it. <laughs> Come on, Papa, stand up. I'm standing up. Just just believe me. I'm standing up. I'm coming. I'm coming. My older son knew what was going on. He grabbed my hand and pulled me up. Why? Some of us so complain so much, we can't even stand because we're sitting down fighting and fussing and complaining. Can't stand this. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of that. I'm sick of that. You get more sick when you sit down. All you got to do is get a sitting job and keep eating hamburgers. I guarantee you, you'll get sick. That's why if you got an Apple Watch, what does it say? Stand. It tells you, stand up. It's time to walk. Because the blood pressure, all this other stuff, it works better when you're moving, not when you're sitting. Too many people in this life are just sitting. I'm complaining and fussing and griping and can't stand this and sick of this because of your sitting. Sitting people mumble and fuss. If, If you look at the people in the wilderness, when they were fussing and mumbling and complaining, what were they doing? Nothing. They were wandering everywhere. When they had to go into the promised land, they were fighting, running, pressing, walking. That's why he says, I like running. Let me quickly tell you this. I don't do nothing quick, but I'm trying. He says, "Here's a hit. Here, write these four things down, and we're done." Hebrews chapter twelve. I want you to learn this series, man. I do this. I have to practice this just like you would every day. Hebrews chapter twelve. He says, "Since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding, don't you know how great that is. The clouds are full of them. That's what he's saying. By now you are living, the clouds are full of them." Lay aside every encumbrance and the sin, everything that holds you back. Sometimes you got to lay some friends aside because they always call you messing you up. Sometimes you got to lay aside money because it controls how you think. Sometimes you got to lay aside some people that are just are thorn in your flesh. I remember my friend who's a psychologist used to say, you got to get rid of sucker plants in order to grow healthy as a plant. I don't forget him teaching that one day at a conference. I went in his class and said, oh, he's a great Christian psychologist. Let me just go in his class. I I, I may need more help than I know. (laughs) So I went and sat in his class. and The only thing I remember out of the whole class was, get rid of sucker plants because they stop you from growing. Sucker plants will suck all the stuff out of you. And all day long, all you could think about is, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. help me, Jesus. Pray for me, God. They just, by the time you finish, you're going, oh, help them, Lord. Keep them, God. Ah, oh, sweet Jesus. Take care of them. Oh, God, they're dying. They're sucker plants. Sometimes you got to get rid of sucker plants. Sometimes you, when the phone rings, you just pray over the phone call. They're sucker plants. Everything that entangles you, the sin, some books some magazines, From television channels. I even remember my son coming over one day got got this cable TV in our house and he says you know that those channels got a lot of junk on them. Cut them out. Just cut them out. The minute he made sense of that I cut them out. Get rid of things. Just get you got to get rid of them. My son came home one day telling me my dad I think I guess it's time to break up with this girl. I said okay all right here's a box pack everything. Yeah, you don't do it like that yeah you do <laughs> you got to pack the box of all the stuff y'all exchanged you you gotta go to her house and say bye and run you've been dating her for a long time you really like her go to her house drop the box off if you have to run the minute you say bye and then talk again bye and then talk again bye Three years will go by. You're still saying bye. I'm talking again. Bye. I'm talking again. You got to go. Bye. See you later. It may sound cold, but when you're this close to somebody and you feel you're in love with them, but you know they're not good for you, you have to run. David stood up and he ended up messing up a whole nation. Joseph won a nation because he ran. Run. Some of y'all need to learn how to run. I like running because you got you to gotta lay aside. You got to get sin. You got to push sin to the side. You got to get stuff that entangles you in order to run. You know, my mama did this to me, okay? Cut it off. My daddy did this. I was raped as a child. All these entanglements that hold us, messes us up. Nah, this happened to me. That happened to me. This happened. The Bible said they're entangling you. So you can't run because they're entangling you. So you have to go to counseling. You, have to, you, you, you work the system of the church. There's a counselor over here. Let me work on that. I, I need somebody to give me wisdom. I get the gift of wisdom. I'm going to use the church body with all these spiritual gifts so I get detangled. So I can run. Why is running important? Because he says when you run, you become a disciplined Christian. What do I mean by that? A disciplined Christian is who you saw Daniel to be. Daniel learned to stand. I can't eat those foods. I can't eat them. But you don't understand. I can't, I can't eat those foods. Daniel don't. I can't, I can't eat those foods. Stand. But Daniel, what you going to do? You know, I'm going to make it my lifestyle to follow the law in what I eat. So I'm going to eat what I'm supposed to eat. But Daniel, they got these people in your job trying to cut you to back, all these kind of things. Daniel said, "You don't understand. <laughs> I'm gonna press. Every day I go to work, I don't care what they're doing to me. I'm gonna press, cause nobody gonna take my prize. I'm pressing. I'm Daniel in the lion's den. He didn't look like he was running, but he was running. What do you mean he's running? He's disciplined. It never said the lion slept." It never said that the lions took a break. It said, Daniel was there all night. Could you imagine sitting there all night? And they're right there in your face because they starved them for weeks. They're right there, but can't bite you. Can't destroy you, but they're right there. Daniel was running, because what? In spite of everything right on him, he was disciplined to stay the course. The Bible says, running is a disciplined movement forward. No matter who's running next to you, what the problem is. Because what? You're focused on the tape, the prize. And all you're doing now, you can walk because it's a lifestyle. You could stand because nothing could affect you. No matter what's going on, you couldn't stand. Because you got the armor fully on and you ain't taking it off. And as a result of that, when times get hard, you're committed to press. I'm going to press forward no matter the pain. So now, with my eyes fixed on Jesus and my prize waiting for me, I know what it could slow me down. I know what's behind me. I know what I got to get rid of. I know what the prize looks like, and I can see Jesus now clearly. So now I just it. I don't care what's happening to me. I don't care what's going on with me because I'm fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of the race. So this all I could do now was just run because my eyes could never come off of Jesus because I stand. I'm walking. I'm pressing. I could never get off of him because now when sin comes, I get rid of it. <laughs> when things entangle me, I've used the body to detangle my life. So now, I'm just running. You see, folks, that's when people lived in the Bible I never got affected by their problems. Just track them. Just track them, living word. That's why I wanted to name this series Inside Out. I want to live my life inside out. Not outside in. Outside is constantly changing, Too so much problems and pressures and difficulties and a messed up world and messed up situations all the time, Money short, this going on. There's so much mess out here. But in here, the Spirit is my peace, my strength, my guide, my wisdom, my comforter. That's who He is inside of me. So I need to learn to live inside out. So as I live my life, I'm focusing on how do I experience the spirit of God working in me? What is he trying to teach me in this? How could I keep running? How could I keep walking? Okay, sometimes I got to slow down because he just showed me something is not a part of my lifestyle. So I got I to get this thing to walking again. No problems, God. I'm committed to walk. I got to learn. This is something I got to grow in, so I'm walking. Folks, name a person. Abraham ran. I'll kill him. You told me to. But before, go to Hagar. Yep. Think about it. Pick a person. Pick a person. Just, just go to anybody you want. Ah, let me pick somebody for you. Joseph. No, I have a vision from God. You can't tell me what to do. I'm going to put you in a dry well. Okay. But I believe what God tell me. So you know what? <laughs> I'm going to practice it. I'm going to practice it at the Potiphar's house. I'm going to practice it in a jail cell. When Dave Joseph is riding around, (laughs) as Pharaoh, what is he doing? Running. Just pick it. Pick a person. I'll end with this person, Jesus. I must be about my father's business. We don't like you. It's okay. I must be about my father's business. I will stand. I will walk. He literally modeled that on water. Walking on water. He literally modeled it. Jesus Christ, we're going to beat you, spit on you. I'll press towards the mark. And on the cross, I'm running. Because now, when I get up from the grave, nobody can be stopped from going to Jesus, from going to God. Nobody could ever be stopped from being able to go to heaven once they accept me. Nobody could ever have a problem they can't cast on me. Nobody could ever get Satan coming to them and I not answer God for them and stand the course for them. So now everybody can run. So even though I'm standing, even though I'm pressing, even though I'm sitting at the right hand of the Father, I'm running. Oh, folks. Life day to day, Should be a growth process that leads you to run. Because it's not going to change. And I'm not going to lie to you and say, if you touch this, God will do this. If you throw this, God is going to do that. God is saying, no, I grow you in life. And I'm making it, I'm allowing it to get worse. To teach you to run. Let us stay.